HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If your food media diet is fueled by HRN, become a monthly donor today. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 150 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I really hope every single one of them is listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, we are just finishing our three-part series on delivery. Delivery and restaurants, delivery to consumers, food, grocery to your home. It's been a trend that has been on the upswing for some time. In fact, it was one of the first topics that we covered back in 2015 when Tech Bytes went on the air. In September, we did a show, episode 31, titled, Is Delivery Bad for Restaurants? Because even six years ago, the relationship financially between third-party delivery apps like Grubhub and Seamless the relationships with restaurants were already a little contentious back then and were already something that was maybe not 100% beneficial to everyone involved. It's a great episode. Um, I would go back and listen to it today and see if much has changed since. What has certainly changed is consumers have come to expect delivery, to have delivery, it was a convenience before the pandemic, and since the pandemic, 2020 and into 2021, it became something much more essential. It became a lifeline to the outside world and a way of getting food to your home to feed your family. And the people making the deliveries became essential workers. Delivery has never been more a part of our culture, part of our day-to-day -day life, part of our restaurant economics part of our employment structure in our communities. Um, and it's also never been, um, I'm not going to say contentious, but a hot topic of conversation, maybe a little bit of a flashpoint. So this summer on Tech Bytes, we decided to take a look at the topic of delivery. And with so many moving parts, we really thought it warranted three episodes. The first episode, episode 242, is called How It Works, and it essentially is a look at the actual financial structure of how third-party delivery apps work, how they make their money, what's the relationship between the app and a restaurant, and how consumer behavior impacts that. Episode 243 featured Los Deliveristas Unidos, which is a group of delivery drivers who have come together to protest and ask for certain, um, certain protections, benefits in life, issues that they've had over the course of time making their deliveries. It's a really great look at what happens in the last mile going from the restaurant to your door. And today, episode three in our delivery series, we are looking at the future of delivery. We know delivery is here to stay. DoorDash estimated that they're going to have a second quarter of close to $10 billion, with a B, dollars in sales. Um, all delivery is growing, not just restaurant, not just food, not just grocery. It is definitely here to stay. But what does the future of it look like? Well, we have today on our show Jeremy Valadis, who is the president and CEO, founder of the Restaurant Group in New York City. They have several 
neighborhood restaurants. And Jeremy has decided with a cohort of tech people, students, and other people in his community that he's going to build his own delivery platform to take back some of that delivery business and take back some of the control from the third-party apps. So, Jeremy, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm excited to be here. You have been in the restaurant industry for a long, long time, and I'm sure um, when you started, you were never thinking that you were going to be building a tech platform as one of your projects. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I started... I started before there really were computers. We kind of had some NCR things when I was uh, first starting uh, to use as a point of sale, but they're they're really restaurants did not run and operate with computers, even when I first opened my own restaurant. So no, this is uh, about as far fetched as, uh, uh, you know, the man flying to uh, the moon about 75 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Not recently. The one, the 75 years ago one, the, the, the walking well, on the moon, that, that, the that idea, one. <laughs> the idea of that 75 years ago. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Exactly. Uh, you know, we often, I often joke and, and I, I say it a little tongue in cheek that the tech level of restaurants, even in this day and age, is still very much pencil on cocktail napkin at the bar or seafold towel. And even though there is so much technology in the world today, um, you know, working in a restaurant is really based in very tactile, analog, real-life, hands-on things. I mean, I think the underlying, the underlying driving force of, of any restaurant or food business really is to make food with your hands in the back kitchen and bring it out and give it to somebody and have them eat it. And it's pretty simple. And I mean, there is certainly a lot of kitchen tech, but you know, it's, it's not about um, apps and platforms and software and AI and things like that. But, you know, in all the evolution in the restaurant industry over the course of your businesses, take us back to when delivery and the third-party delivery apps became something noticeable in your business and became something that you started thinking about possibly wanting to change. When did that start to happen? Well, I'll tell you a quick little story about probably, I'd say 10 years ago, and my wife always says, whatever you think, double, but I, I don't think it was 20 years ago. It was probably 10 or so years ago, probably actually maybe eight or nine years ago. Uh, there was a little restaurant across the street from us on the Upper West Side where a couple of my restaurants are called Jackson Hole, and they <clears throat> we were all using some form of delivery app. And a big bulk of their business was deliveries. And I went to see the guy because I saw him closing the doors. It was his last day and he was moving out. And I said, what's going on? He said, I said, at the time, all the lease pricing had already gone up and there was so much chatter about that. And we were all trying to live and exist in that situation. I said, it must be the, uh, you know, the landlord. And he said, no, Jeremy. He said, it, it's really come down to these uh, app, apps. And I think it was, I think he said Uber, uh, uh, Grubhub or Seamless. I think it was Seamless at the time that had just taken control of his business and they were charging him so much that he could no longer sustain a profit in, in the business. So that, re- that was really a scary moment that between all the other things that we deal with on a consistent basis in the small business, particularly restaurant world, now we're dealing with this. That was a, you know, a wake-up moment for me. And in the process, over the last several years, we've really, really, truly been hit hard by these delivery platforms, uh, how much money they take from us, how much, how much control they have. They change reps on you. You can't find a rep for weeks. Uh, you know, we spend more money on a daily basis with these with these groups than almost anybody else you spend uh, you, you do business with, which is just unfathomable. Literally, ten years ago or so. So, Jeremy, while you're while you're walking us through it, we certainly um, can can you outline a little bit for us when you say the money that they take. So on our earlier show, 
show 142 how it works. We we talked a little bit about delivery fees and restaurant fees and commissions and things like that. And, you know, you don't need to speak specifically in terms of your business's numbers, but what are the categories and some ranges of payments and percentages and things like that, that the third-party apps are generally um, taking from restaurants for restaurants to be able to use their systems? So they call it a marketing fee, and then they have a delivery fee to for the last mile, as you have so well pointed. Um, and from a delivery, from a marketing fee, which you know, and they say they're marketing our restaurant, they're marketing their platform. And if you happen to use, if you happen to go to our restaurant, great. If you go to somebody else's, they're just as happy. They don't care which restaurant you go to, other than the fact that whoever they charge or whoever is willing to pay them more is who they're happy to use. And that's who they market. Not that, you know, it's so it's a whole racket and the fees can be structured uh, somewhere in the nature of these days. They're saying most of these giant companies are saying no less than 15 or 20 for marketing and percent, as much as 15 or 20 percent, percent of the sorry. of the delivery order total. Of the delivery order total, and they go up to they'll take and they'll they'll market you put you first in line or higher on the pages, and people pay as much as fifty percent just for the marketing. Then there's a delivery fee, which uh, uh, can be dollars and cents and uh, and or percentage depending on which company and who you use to take the delivery from from your restaurant the last mile to the home and or business wherever they are and the fees by the time you get an order at your office or at your home or wherever you get your order the order could be a hundred dollars and the restaurant might only get 40 uh, in a given circumstances and the, we know that the delivery driver um, doesn't always or most of the time doesn't make out so well in the in that sixty dollars that go towards the uh, um Go to the other thing, other uh, company other than the small business, the restaurant, the bigger business restaurant. So that's a pretty significant um, that that can rack up pretty quickly. I would think the different marketing fees, the delivery fees, you know, more and more on on you know, if it was a ten dollar delivery just for round numbers, and you take thirty percent for marketing, that's seven dollars. You take another point for, you know, the delivery fee, that's another dollar to your point. You know, on a $10 order, the the restaurants may be seeing half of that $5. You also mentioned that the delivery platforms, um, the third-party delivery platforms, you mentioned, you said the word control, that wanting to take back some of the control that they have. So certainly money is power, but what did you mean specifically when you said control? Well... You know, they've come to the it's come to the point where they control the delivery market and it's different, different companies in different cities. But in New York City, for example, Grubhub, which was seamless in New York City, but they merged as one or and now it's Grubhub slash seamless own a huge portion of all delivery business in New York City and you almost can't be in the delivery business and not part of their app or part of their platform. And that being said, that means that they pretty much control what they want to charge you and they control if you use their their platform to for the last mile to bring it to the to the guest, they control that and they control where you are on the page and if you put more, uh, if you're willing to give them a higher marketing percentage, you go up. I, I mean, it's a complete, and I think the, I think they're controlling, like, I, I'm not sure you probably have a better number, but I think the statistics are like, they control like 75% of the deliveries in New York city. So it's just unbelievable. And do you, okay. So that's money and that's control. So 10 years ago, you have a restaurant that closes in your neighborhood and, and part of it is because of the delivery platforms. Now you are, where are you in your, in your, in managing your restaurants and managing your delivery when you really start to think about 
wanting to have a different ecosystem for your restaurants and your delivery? So where I'm at is we have never or we've never pushed delivery as hard and far, put as much effort and emphasis in it as some other people, just because it's almost to the point where many restaurants don't make any money on on deliveries anymore. So we've we don't concentrate as much as other people, although we'd like to because we need it in this day and age with the cost of labor, and which is is a needed thing. Um, and when I mean by needed thing, I think that a lot of the labor does need to has been increased, and I need to be paying a fair wage, but it's increased quite a bit. And with the cost of everything else, the rents, the, the uh, all the all the uh, food and beverage, it, 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 you know, we're just struggling in the small business uh, in the restaurant world. So that being said, when you can't make a profit on delivery, it's really it's it just makes this business so difficult. In the old days, we used to people would call up. There'd be no charge for anybody to call. No one would get a charge because they made a call and they would call our restaurant. Somebody would take the order and, and we process, you know, we write it down or put it through a computer. In most cases, uh, we put it through a computer, get, the kitchen would make it and uh, we'd have delivery people or even dishwashers or bus people that would run the deliveries and they would be happy. They'd make extra money and, our, our restaurant wasn't paying all these additional fees. So we would make, a, you know, a profit on deliveries. Obviously, in those days and still, to, and again, now we're not allowed to uh, serve liquor. So you don't do as well as you could if the guests came in, but you have a lot less costs uh, um, with the delivery in those days. Now, delivery costs way more than a guest coming in. You much prefer a guest to come in um, and it's, it's great when guests do come in the whole environment. How, how many people actually call your restaurants these days? I, I know this is a this is a sort of a little bit of a tangential question, but I actually miss being able to call a restaurant sometimes. There are some restaurants that you can't get a live person on the phone. You just kind of cycle through a system of, of voicemails and messages and things like that. Um, sometimes I like to talk to actual people. Do you, do you still have a, a phone line where people can call your restaurants and do people ever call? We do have phone lines and people do call at all our restaurants in North Carolina, D.C. and New York. People do call. And <clears throat> the problem is we kind of push away from it because we're now not set up for it because you can't afford the amount of labor you used to have because of so many of the factors, one of the largest being the third party platforms for delivery. So we push away from it, but we do get calls and we get calls at all our restaurants every day. And I'm old school and I prefer to call and I prefer to make sure that everything is the way I want it in my delivery. So when I call my restaurants or other restaurants, um, when I order, I do call it. So you are thinking about wanting to get away from the third-party apps and really thinking, when, when do you really start to think about it getting to the point where you feel like you need to do something? Is that before the pandemic, during the pandemic? Is that 2018, 19? Is it's it before just, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. In maybe 2016. I, I, oh, that far I'm, back. Yeah, I'm fed up with all these third-party apps. And you think you can't get somebody on the phone at a restaurant? You can't get a representative that you pay you're from one of these companies that you're giving them money, tons of money on a daily basis. In my case, multiple restaurants, daily basis, I'm giving these companies. And I get a rep and the reps are these young people who will say, hey, Jeremy, I'm not going to be able to call you back for a week, 10 days. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't speak to a human being to deal with my problem. And then if there's ever a problem, you know, as small as um, the, the, the uh, app didn't work or the person didn't get their food or the food got, uh, uh, was brought in upside down, it, it seems every time they take, they get paid, we give the guest all, uh, 
all the food again and sometimes lose all the money and they get paid everything, even though it could have been uh, their driver, it could have been their app, their problem, their mistake. And it's always our fault as the restaurant. So I'm frustrated back many, many years. I've had the incident where this business really claims they went out of business. This very successful 40, 50 year old restaurant in the Upper West Side says they're going out of business because of this. So I'm starting to think, what am I going to do about this? And I'm thinking every day, how do you fight them? It's, you know, how do you fight the man? And I, and I really, and all the while I'm listening to podcasts and I'm listening to books on tape and I'm listening to different things and, and I'm thinking, and I'm always thinking, my mind's always thinking I'm that small businessman, that kind of entrepreneur. <clears throat> and, and I started listening to a few different things and I thought, you know what we should do? is we should come up with a way to b- build a community-based app where if it works, we don't have to charge anywhere near what these giant companies are charging, and we can make it so there's a community line of communication uh, on the app and that we can get food ordered without this crazy marketing fee. And so I start thinking about it. And, and I don't do anything about it because I'm always buried in the middle of the chaos of putting out the fires in the small business. And then the pandemic comes and, and not that that wasn't chaotic. And I kept almost all except one restaurant open the entire pandemic. And so while I'm working, I'm starting to think I got to do something about these third parties. And ultimately I get together with the woman who is uh, counseling my, who counseled my older daughter and now my younger daughter is going to college this year and, and uh, for college. And we talk about the idea of building this app and I need a team. And she's got these team of young college kids and high school kids that need internship and need stuff to do during the pandemic. And we ultimately get this, uh, uh, older gentleman, younger than myself, but (laughs) older than the college kids. And we create this team and, you know, and it's off to the races. And these guys are pushing me. It's hard for me to run my small businesses and keep putting the fires out and everything that's going on all over. And as I'm doing it, you know, these guys become so great. And they're like, let's have a meeting this day. Let's have a meeting this day. And now they're pushing me. And we've really created Westside Eats, which is an application um, delivery platform. And, and it's working. We're, we're not doing, we don't have a lot of restaurants. I have not gone out and sold a lot of restaurants yet. Not when I say sell, trying to tell them this is going to be this community based app. It's, um, but, um, but we've got, uh, you know, there's like 10 restaurants on there right now. It's working. It works well and it's seamless and it costs the restaurants <laughs> so much less. And oh, what a terrible word to use. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great name for a company because of what it means. So it's it's a excellent piece of marketing and branding for sure to name a company Good. seamless. So you and, the, had and they're a- very sorry to interrupt. They're very seamless from most guest standpoint, which is great. Right. And I mm-hmm. give them a lot of the credit. The consumer and experience. I, yeah. Right. The customer yeah. journey. Yeah. And I give them a lot of credit. I'm I'm tearing them apart on this podcast, but I, I truly think they're ingenious. And I think that uh, what they've done is great and it could benefit the small business done properly. And that's what well, I'm hopeful there, we're going to do. You know, certainly creating a piece of technology that works in terms of connecting a consumer and a business and creates a an easy way of doing business tech, technologically speaking between you know the little you know handheld computers that we all have now in our smartphones and businesses so at the heart of it the service and the technology piece that third party apps are offering are not bad. They work pretty well. People like them. Consumers obviously find them super easy to use and very addictive because nobody can seem to get off them. It's how it works under the hood and the way the pricing is and the way the, the, the money is made 
And also the um, something that we hear over and over again that I've heard over and over again on this series and just in, in conversations with restaurant people and reading articles in the news is the transparency. So much of what's happening today in the world with consumers and businesses and government and community, everybody wants to know what's happening under the hood. What's going on in the back room? How does this actually work? Who's making money? Who's doing the work? Who's paying a price? And famously, notoriously, the third-party apps are not transparent. They're extremely opaque. They're extremely opaque to the point that on that first show that I referenced, episode 31, I had two independent restaurant owners come on the show and talk, and they both spoke anonymously because there are non-disclosure clauses in in the contracts at times that business owners sign with these companies. So if you have a non-disclosure clause that is not about trade secrets and patents and technology, but it's simply based on the fact that you do not want the world to know how much you're charging people, that, I mean, that in and of itself kind of gives you pause. So, um, you know, the the technology and the ecosystem that they've created is, is not necessarily bad. I think it's the way that it's perhaps being run. And ultimately, it seems that the restaurants themselves are subsidizing much of the service. And then adjacent to that, we discovered that a lot of the delivery people are subsidizing that service, um, if you look at it from a certain perspective. Um, I think what's interesting about your uh, West Side Eats, and if people are listening along at home and or out in the world and you want to take a look at all of this in real time, westsideeats.com. It's just as it's spelled, W-E-S-T-S-I-D-E-E-A-T-S dot com. Uh, and also the restaurant group, you can also take a look at that online and, and see exactly what we're talking about. We are going to take a quick break and find out who is making this conversation possible. Did you know Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit? We keep the lights on out of the generosity of members, many like yourselves. And from underwriters and supporters like this one. Stay with us. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. You may have noticed that we have a whole new look. We also launched a new website that's going to make your listening easier and more enjoyable than ever before. HRN is the original food podcast network. And as we enter a new chapter in our 12-year history, I want to ask you to invest in HRN for the long haul. If you rely on this show to fuel your food media diet, become a monthly sustaining member today. Our members keep the voice of America's food movement alive and kicking. Your donations support this podcast along with 40 other shows on Heritage Radio Network. Your contribution helps give HRN the security we need to stay on the airwaves throughout the pandemic, and your continued support is allowing us to reopen our studio. Plus, we like to give our regular members special treatment. So sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our secret menu. We've gathered together exclusive discounts and offers from some of your favorite food and beverage brands. So you get to enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors and special deals will come your way throughout the summer. So can you make a gift of five or $10 a month? It'll show me and our whole team at HRN how much this podcast and food radio in general means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. You are listening to Tech Bites, the show on Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is a website called westsideeats.com. We are talking with Jeremy Valdis, who is the founder, president, manager, all hats guy, all hands on deck guy of The Restaurant Group, which is a multi-unit restaurant group in the U.S., They have restaurants on the Upper West Side in New York City. And that is why westsideeats.com came into being. The idea is to create 
a community-based third-party ordering platform so that the community can manage it and profit from it. The idea to come up with a community-based app is something that Jeremy had been thinking about for years and years, perhaps not the community part, but definitely for the last 10 years, how to get off the third-party apps, how to cut the ties from the platforms that can take upwards of 50 or 60% of an order and leave restaurants, in some instances, so financially distressed they are closing their doors. Westside Eats is an interesting project because it has a number of different uh, team members spread out across the country. Um, it starts with a, an advisor, a student advisor, who's advising college and high school students, some of them maybe in Jeremy's family, <laughs> and another parent of another student out in California who is the tech side of this, and everyone working together over the course of the pandemic to build something. So Jeremy, now that you have it up online, and it is for all intensive purposes live, Tell us, tell us how it works from the restaurant point of view and tell us how it works from the consumer point of view. Is it really any different? No, <clears throat> it's very similar to all the other third-party platforms. Uh, it, it's the, the guests would go to westsideeats.com, you know, and pick their items, pick their restaurant, pick their items, pick the time they wanted to come, hit send, uh, put, you know, put their credit card information in, which stays in if they choose and then uh, uh, then they order the food and uh, from their standpoint you know half hour later approximately give or take the food arrives and from the restaurant standpoint the exact same thing happens except at a much uh, lower price point we the food is ordered comes to a tablet or a point of sale computer system generated tickets generated in the kitchen or or on a screen in the kitchen and the kitchen makes the food the food gets uh, bagged up boxed and bagged up the delivery driver picks it up and the delivery driver brings it to the home or business or wherever uh, the food is being delivered so it's it, it works exactly the same on both uh, uh, sides of it and, you know so that's kind of logistical and you are using Relay as the last mile. We are using Relay as the last mile, which I think is a good idea. And it's expensive also, but uh, I think <clears throat> it's hard to have your own delivery guys anymore for so many reasons. Hard to find delivery guys because anybody, the real true delivery guy does not want to work for a restaurant almost uh, anymore due to the fact that they're being kept particularly busy when they're on these platforms because there's so many restaurants and as soon as you drop one, it sends out a signal for them to hop on the next delivery. <clears throat> and frequently, they don't have to come all the way back to where they delivered or they picked up the food from our restaurant. They would just pick up a delivery right close to where they dropped one off. So it, it, these relay, I like, as do, I don't want to, you know, I've been ripping apart these the delivery of third-party apps. I, I, what I'm hopeful for that'll happen on this is that maybe this will be a wake-up call uh, when they hear you, Jennifer, and they hear my side of the world, and they've heard all the other things, all the pre-recordings pre, uh, um, you've done um, on this, that though some of the big people up top will listen and say, hey, how do we make this work better for everybody in the at the same time, we're creating an app to be community-based, and we're hopeful that uh, we'll get a lot of the Upper West Side people will want to be on there, and it'll save everybody on the Upper West Side a bunch of money and give the small business the opportunity to survive and be successful. Well, and the thing about Relay is that the fee structure is different. They um, And they also, I believe, pay their drivers an hourly wage. And then it's a delivery fee that's structured just per delivery versus percentages. I'm not sure if that's still the case, but I believe that that was the case at one I point believe in it recent to be history. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So technology is it, it's not 
super hard right now in this day and age to build a website that takes orders and you can make an app and you're going to have an app in the app stores coming soon, right? Actually, I believe it's already there. If it's not, it'll be there any day. Do you, what do you think the hardest part of getting traction for Westside Eats is going to be? Is it going to be getting restaurants to sign up for it? Is it going to be getting consumers to use it? What do you think the challenge is going to be to see it grow and to see it? Well, you're going to have your restaurants on it. So for you as an, as an individual business owner, you will be able to reap the benefits of being on an independent platform. But what do you think your biggest challenges are going to be to have more people start to use it? I think the answer to your two questions is, uh, is yes. I think they're, they're <laughs> pretty equal there. It's going to be difficult to get restaurants. The good news is I have a lot of friends in the restaurant business uh, and I'm going to go out and let them understand what we're doing and that if you're on the Upper West Side, this could be helpful and benefit benefit you in other ways because there'll be it'll be a community-based app that will have a platform for people to communicate about restaurants and about uh, uh, things to that nature. So I think that'll be helpful. So I'm hopeful that my friends and all the other people um, that own restaurants on the Upper West Side, or many of them, will join uh, the app. But it's going to be it's going to be a lot of work to get the word out and get people aware of this situation because we're all so crazy and busy. Anytime somebody knocks on our door, we're it's automatically you're scared or intimidated that it's somebody asking for a free meal uh, or something to that nature or giving a donation or selling us something and we don't have the time because we're small business people and we're trying to have a family life and a real life and which is pretty hard when you're a small business person particularly in the restaurant business and from the consumer standpoint consumers so many of them as you have said on these three different pod, uh, podcasts so many of them don't understand what's going on under the uh, 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 hood of the, the vehicle or or, or what's going on behind the scenes. And they don't understand that the Grubhubs and Seamlesses and Ubers and DoorDashes, et cetera, um, control us and take such a big percentage of the money. So they don't feel the need to move from where what they have on their phone and where everything's plugged in. <clears throat> so they're not looking or even thinking, why would I change? So that's going to be a real difficult um uh, item to, you know, get the word out and understanding of what's going on. And, uh, you know, they're so comfortable with the way these companies work. And as I said, they work well from a consumer standpoint, uh, although the consumer may not even understand that they, there are many times added fees onto their uh, orders and, you know, and they may save a bunch of money. The consumer should save money as should as should the small business by using a smaller app like Westside Eats. So well, it's there, then there is nothing free. Just because you save money doesn't mean somebody's not paying for it somewhere along the way. Any any fees that are saved and anything you know that you get, somebody paid for it somewhere. Um, and maybe it's the big ordering platform, maybe not. Maybe it's the delivery person. Maybe it's the restaurant. It's hard to know sometimes. What, what do you think, um, how, how much of a percentage of your business is delivery right now, just in round numbers? And then what percentage of that delivery business is um, currently on the third-party platforms? And then lastly, do you think it would be possible as a multi-unit restaurant group owner to simply say, I'm not using any of these apps anymore? So answer to your first question, it's probably 20% across the board when you take all our different restaurants, what mm -hmm. percentage of our business to give a global answer. Okay. Um, answer number two was, uh, question number two was, uh, um, what percentage of our business uh, goes through delivery platforms? Mm -hmm. Probably somewhere between 80 and 90%, okay. maybe even a little higher. Mm -hmm. uh, than, so almost all of it. Almost all of it, very, mm -hmm. very little. And what was the third question was? 
Do you think it would be possible to say, we're not going to be on them anymore? There are the few outliers who have probably never gotten on. And there's a couple people I know who dumped it. And I think the people that have dumped it are like, I'm just not making any money off of delivery. So what's the point of doing it other than Mm -hmm. offering a service to the community? But they get so fed up with offering the service to the community and the cost and the aggravation and time and work and uh, uh, that they decide not to do it. But no, you could still offer you could still offer delivery to your community, just not on one of the apps. But is that is that viable or feasible now? Well, it is. I mean, you know, I live in New York City. It is viable. Feasible is the question because so much of the business comes through these apps. There are, like I said, there's some outliers of people who have never jumped on, who had a big, strong delivery business, particularly somebody like a Chinese restaurant or or a uh, pizza restaurant um, from w- way back when. Um, restaurants now, that, are stru- that are set up to essentially only do delivery. Or do a, a big, big portion of their business mm-hmm. is delivery, correct. Um, and it's viable because you can use something like Westside Eats or you can just, you can get a platform just for online ordering so uh, because the phone thing is difficult now with just by putting the resources on the phone Um, and so many people just aren't willing to call anymore but you can get your own online ordering platform there's multiple options out there although west id is is that same thing Um, uh, it does that for you also you can use it as avenue to bring all your deliveries in that way but i don't think at this stage of the game it's a viable option to um get rid of uh, um, uh, all the uh, third-party platforms or apps well it will be interesting to see how things evolve into the future certainly we read stories in the news about restaurant owners and restaurant groups from across the country really getting fed up with the way the current ecosystem works and trying, you know, different ideas and innovating different ways of taking that business back in-house and really helping their bottom line. You know, I, I often say on this show that the restaurant is the original startup. You know, we talk a lot now about, oh, innovators and startup and tech, and it seems so flashy and new and innovative and really exciting. But restaurants are the original innovators. You know, restaurants are the original, get an idea, write it down on a piece of paper, see a space, do do your first round of fundraising with friends and family. <laughs> you know, just throw open your doors and, and start going. And they are, you know, so uh, famous for figuring out ways to solve problems and just pushing through in real time, many, many cases. Um, How do we do it? Let's just get it done. Let's just get it done and keep moving. So it's not surprising to me that we're starting to see different ideas and business structures coming from the restaurant industry on how to do this. And certainly the pandemic, you know, such a challenging moment for the entire world and for so many people. And it really forced a lot of people to think about ways to work differently and communicate differently. And certainly restaurants had to figure out a way how to translate that sort of, uh, that that special alchemy and visceral feeling of, of being in a restaurant and eating your favorite thing and, and having that feeling because we all know it's a lot more than just the food that's on your plate. Jeremy, last question that I'm going to ask you for today is tell us what the next six months looks like for you and your restaurants and Westside Eats. We're halfway through 2021. What are you looking at to to close out the end of the year? And then what are you thinking about for 2022? I know it's it sounds like an impossible thing to look that far ahead in some ways. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the days of budgeting and understanding the world are way different today than they were a year and a half ago. Um, and uh, <clears throat> from my restaurant group standpoint, we're uh, going in the right direction, obviously, uh, it's been the most difficult time in the history of uh, our lifetime for everyone, not just restaurants or small businesses, but everybody. We're all in this together. So we've been lucky. Uh, we've survived so far. There will be 
a couple restaurants in our group that will close. The landlords have not been, a couple landlords have, uh, are not willing to make a deal. And at the end of the day, we'll probably lose a couple restaurants or uh, potentially adding a restaurant or two also. Uh, so that's kind of what's going on. I'm keeping, I made a promise to my uh, team that they've been with me for years and I would keep the restaurants open through the pandemic. And I've been able to do that in all but one. And the one, the building was closed and, and we weren't allowed to open. So um, we've been successful in keeping them open. And we gave people, you know, positions and, and jobs when they needed jobs. Now it's turned the other way where we're having the most difficult time ever trying to find people, which was always difficult in this business, even 20, 30, 40 years ago, but it's really difficult uh, uh, today. Um, never, never has it been this much of a challenge everywhere in the country and everybody I know. Um, so we're going to keep the good fight going and we'll survive and we'll have restaurants uh, open uh, um, when this whole thing does finally really completely come to an end. As far as West Side Eats, we're going to grow this thing. We're going to, uh, I'm so lucky. Uh, Ashish and Mike and Stephanie and Avi and all these people that have so many more people have worked on this and they've been great. These kids, these young people and uh, Ashish and Stephanie who, uh, and we're going to grow this thing. We're going to make it great. We're going to, it's going to be a community-based app and we're going to have a community-based platform to communicate with uh, people. And we're going to serve the get, the restaurants and the guests at a very inexpensive price point uh, one and, and we're going to give money to charity and we're going to get a bunch of restaurants on there and once we grow once we grow the upper west side we hope and hope to roll this out to other markets so the next six months are going to be uh, a lot of work and effort but we're going to do it and we're going to do it great well we wish you the best of luck jeremy and we often have founders and um you know, owners come back and talk about where their business is a year later, two years later. In the tech world and the restaurant world, a lot of times some don't make it past year one, um, but a lot of them do. So definitely keep in touch with us, keep us updated on what is happening with Westside Eats in the future. And, um, you know, we'd love to have you back on to track your progress. Thank you very much. And I really want to say to you and your team, <clears throat> Uh, Armand and the rest of the team, we appreciate what you're doing. You really help our business, the small business, the restaurant world. Um, you're opening people's minds and eyes to what's going on. And it's and it's people like you that really do help us uh, survive and help us grow. Thank well, you. we appreciate it. And certainly um, that's our aim and that's our intention. And we love our communities and neighborhoods and we love our restaurants and all of our food people. Heritage Radio Network has been on the air for more than a decade and we have 15,000 plus episodes of podcasts in our archives at heritageradionetwork.org. Um, everything from school lunch to technology to uh, a look at food from the past to book reviews, farm issues, all kinds of things. Really something for everyone. We have a global audience and these things are important, especially now, not just so that we can understand what's happening in our community so we can remember it, so we can look at it 10 years from now. Um, and we can learn a little bit of something new about something that's happening perhaps in the other another part of the world. Uh, I want to thank Jeremy for coming on the show today. Again, if you want to order, if you live on uh, in Manhattan on the west side, uptown, and you want to cut the ties from Grubhub and other third-party apps, check out westsideeats.com. There may be other independent platforms coming your way. A quick, a quick Google search. You know, ask Google if there are other alternatives in your community. There are more and more of them springing up every day. I... If you like this episode, this is episode three in our delivery series. The first episode, 242, How It Works. The second episode, number 243, Los Deliveristas Unidos. And this episode, 244, The Future. We've been covering delivery in restaurants since December, since September of 2015 with episode 31. 
And we also had episode 184, Grubhub Gate. That's a very interesting one. That's when Grubhub started <laughs> putting up websites for restaurants without restaurants knowing and then charging them for it. Lots of interesting things. I want to thank DJ Uptown Nico, who is the gentleman who made the Tech Bytes theme song. I want to thank Armin Spigen and Matt Patterson, who are our engineers. I want to thank the entire Heritage Radio Network staff. They really help keep the lights on and keep everything running smoothly, even after more than a year recording remotely. We are looking forward this fall to going back to our beloved studio at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi, the host and producer of this show. This is our last episode for the summer season. We're going to be taking a break until Labor Day. We're going to be lining up a brand new fall season for you of a lot of fascinating, interesting, unique stories about the intersection of food and technology. If you have a story that you would like to share or someone you think needs to have their voice heard, reach out. You can find us techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We're on social media at techbyteshrn. We are very interactive. We would love to hear from you what you think, what you're thinking about, and what you ordered for lunch today, maybe. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Leitzi. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll talk to you in the fall. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.